Hello, my name is Michael Rossi, and I'm reading my poem, Elizabeth Loftus at the Party, with my wife, Paula. Elizabeth Loftus at the Party. She says she met him at a party in 89, maybe 90. What year did Enjoy the Silence come out? Anyway, it was a house on Kinsey Street, the one with the Tudor-style roof, the whites and browns and beams so steep they can't hang their wreath straight. Good-looking boy, like a young Corbin Burnson with that smile at the corners, slowly peeling back to show you all those teeth. She says they talked about... I'm sorry, but what teenage girl knows about Corbin Burnson? They talked about school, maybe, about a car he'd bought at a police auction. An auction? It's hard to say exactly, but he wanted to show the car, the Lincoln with those long blue doors and the handles that protruded, so that when he thrust her up against them, she felt it on the knobs of her spine. Busy, busy hands. She remembers thinking that he had so many hands, one for her mouth, one for her breast, one for the space she clapped so tightly she could feel the impress of her... I'm sorry, but how do we know this is the same boy? Cotton panties, the one she bought and stared at herself in the mirror, trying to imagine how they'd look to... How do we know that she isn't making this up? That she isn't angry? Jealous? Women do that, you know. It goes all the way back to Shakespeare. Lady Macbeth, Iago's wife, the maids of Odysseus... She thought he would strangle her, and yet when he uncovered her mouth, she couldn't scream. I don't believe this. Couldn't even make the syllable. Who doesn't scream? Even now, all these years, a professor, a classmate, a man smiling at her on the subway, the sounds won't come. Did she call the police? Did she tell her parents? Because what else is there besides the hands and... Nothing worse than a false accusation. A knob, a cup, a green polo shirt... A too steep roof. Not saying nothing happens, but this? She went to mass the next day, stared at her hands, lightly covering her lap. If it was so bad, how could she go to church? The boulder moved, said the priest. It was years ago. Ceremonies shed. Years ago. Years. Oh, blessed day, he prayed, when the dead returned to pay the sinner's debt. Like many... My defining image of 2018 was a middle-aged woman testifying before Congress about a crime that happened almost 30 years earlier. The woman's name was Christine Blasey Ford, a California college professor who alleged that Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh had sexually assaulted her at a party while in high school. The moment became a cultural flashpoint for a number of reasons, but chief among them was the question of memory. How accurate are our remembrances? And as the colors and voices of those memories fade over the years, what can we know for sure? South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham made much of the fact that Ford could not recall the time or place of the attack, though Ford remained adamant and consistent in her account. Indelible in the hippocampus is the laughter, she said, the uproarious laughter between the two attackers having fun at my expense. When asked how she could be sure that the aggressor was Kavanaugh, Ford replied, the same way that I'm sure I'm talking to you right now basic memory functions that encode memories, and so the trauma-related experience then is locked there, whereas other details kind of drift. This poem began with an exploration of Ford's testimony, using ragged line breaks and white space to simulate the fragmentary nature of memory. I was inspired by Ocean Vong's Obeyed with Burning City to move words around on the page and to introduce multiple voices. First, a third-person narration of the woman, Next, the first-person interjections of a skeptical male. And finally, a priest leading mass at the poem's close. The third person felt right given the impersonal nature of memory. 
Even traumatic memory is a story we must tell about ourselves to connect to the face in the mirror. And the incursion of masculine doubt, here taking the form of aggressive skepticism, visually cuts across the page like a thresher moving through the delicate strings of detail. The title references Elizabeth Loftus, the cognitive psychologist so instrumental in demonstrating the malleability of memory. Loftus has testified in hundreds of cases, calling into question the veracity of eyewitness accounts, particularly those rooted in distant trauma. And yet, for all of her research on the distorting powers of suffering, Loftus has maintained that memories cannot be created ex amelio. They often exist as nacre fluid, secreted within us as from the lining of an oyster. But at the core is a central irritant. The notion that Ford had invented the S episode was always on the fringes of her cross-examination. Many conceded that while something clearly happened to her, this testimony was too scant, too inscrutable. In trying to recall something that happened nearly three decades ago, we are left with actions, but none of the internal monologues. And so trauma, which famously produces behavior that defies conventional understanding, can generate narratives where a person laughs inappropriately or avoids the police even as the victim of a crime. I tried to imbue this poem with a sense of alienation from one's own behavior, which finally terminates in the resignation that scars no longer feel, they merely persist. It seems as though we are actively attempting to forget each day that passes. 2019 has already given us the shooting of Willie McCoy, smug magatines staring down Native American protesters, dozens of starved whales washing up on a California beach, a fresh assault allegation against the president, and the incarceration of Aunt Becky from Full House. All of these feel apocalyptic, and yet all seem destined to end up as nothing more than, wait, wait, don't tell me, minutiae at pub trivia. Elizabeth Loftus at the party is my attempt to imagine the unforgettable, the unavoidable, and the inexplicable, and to wrestle with the notion that although time moves in one direction, memory goes in another.